just a, something I want to share that's sort of been on my heart this week. Um, and then we'll finish up the night, really. Just get into the word. Um, all right. So I don't know if you've noticed, but I've been doing a bit of a one-word theme with my titles for Wildfire. Um, if you can remember them, you might be right. If not, that's not an issue. But tonight I'm actually talking about behave or behavior, um, which is cool because it's not about um, judgment or anything like that. But what it really is is about you know behaving like a Christian. There's some awesome passages in the scro- in the scriptures um, <clears throat> that really give us some understanding of what it is to be a Christian what it is to be a follower of Jesus, if you would la- like me or rather me to use that, w- that term, a follower or disciple of Jesus. And uh, they're really encouraging. And there's not a lot, that w- lot of time that we spend sharing them from the pulpit. Um, we discover who we are in Christ, but what we do with that is often a little bit difficult. So tonight I just sort of feel that we need to look at a, a particular passage in, in particular. It's one of my favorite passages of Scripture. And... Um, just an introduction i wanted to share this one with us so we can get the ball rolling matthew 28 18 to 20 is sort of like our life scripture as a church um, and i want to read it out for us it says all authority this is jesus speaking okay it says all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me not me but jesus all right he says go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit and then he says this teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The problem is with our society that what happens is Christianity or the church gets labeled as being a religion of do's and don'ts. Um, That God's happy when you do this and he's not very happy when you do that. So you should do this but don't do that, all right? And uh, like that video is a bit of fun, sort of had to say, you know, now you're a Christian, now you've got to start speaking like one. Um, it's not necessarily how it is. It's just poking a bit of fun at it. So it's a bit of do's and don'ts um, about pulling the line. And I don't think that's a real good picture of what the church really is. Um, it's, I've been a Christian now since I was uh, nine years old. And the last thing I think of about the church and about the Bible and about Christianity is that it's a list of do's and don'ts. Um, Now, there are promises with the do's and don'ts, but it's not just a list of do's and don'ts. It's a relationship. Christianity is highly practical in its expression. It is more than just loving God and uh, Him loving you at a surface level. You know, I just so love God and then the, the same lips, I so love to eat hot dogs. You know, it's, it's not like that. It's, it's so much deeper than that. Because love is so diluted in our world and our understanding of Christianity, um, it's not actually mystical or esoteric. It's not otherworldly. Uh, in other words, it's not so far out there that we cannot understand Christianity. All right? Christianity is to be lived now in our life. It's to be lived and expressed um, as we experience a deeper relationship with Jesus. Okay? So it's not just, well, I'm a Christian now, therefore I can just continue uh, in life and, and, you know, it's great. I've got my ticket into heaven and then for the rest of eternity I'm going to spend that knowing God. No, we're actually 
once we make a commitment to Jesus, what it means is that we actually have this life to experience how wonderful that love is, how wonderful the person of Jesus is, and, and understanding what he actually did for us. And uh, when we approach life that way, then talking about Jesus, talking about the cross, talking about his redemption of us and, and, and healing us of all our sickness and diseases, taking away our sin as an exchange for our faith and all that sort of stuff, as we talk about those things, we never get tired of talking about those things. It's, it's this discovery of who we are. Quite simply, we're called to walk out of a faith and beliefs uh, practically within society. So when I say it's not a list of do's and don'ts, there is still this expression that even though it, it's not just do this, do this, do this, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, there's still an, a practical expression to what we believe. Because love is practical. Is that right? If I didn't show you how I loved you, then you would never know. If I just said I love you, and moved on, then what would be going on would be, you'd be like, oh, Steve's a pretty cool guy. He loves me. But then you'd be waiting for the expression of love so that I could prove that to you. It's like that in our Christian faith. Uh, I can say I'm a Christian. I can say that I'm a follower of Jesus, but people are watching your every move. People are reading you like a book. It's more than just saying, well, I'm a Christian, therefore I go along and do the things I want to do. We actually have to be practical in the expression of the, the faith that we have. This means how we act, how we behave, as we represent Jesus in this life. They actually need to line up with the things Jesus told us. That's why he said, teach them to obey everything that I commanded. They need to be de demonstrated. And sorry to say, they actually need to be taught because even though we might catch most of our Christianity... If, I, if we weren't learning off wise people, wise counsel, then we weren't actually really catching the right things. So we've got to be taught really good stuff. So tonight I want to look at this passage of Scripture in Romans 12. Um, it's really about three significant things to us as believers of Jesus. And uh, I understand um, I don't want it to go over your head. So just if you just uh, bear with what I have to say, and ask God from the depths of your heart, the bottom of your heart, God, what is he saying? What is it something that I can apply to my life to make me a, a better person? Um, you will hear what is to say. There's these three points um, that I want to touch on around our behavior as Christians. It's this sacrificial living, uh, gifted service, and behaving like a Christian. Okay? Or behaving as a Christian. First, Two verses of Romans chapter 12 says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Um, I got this devotional book at home, and uh, just on this verse, um, this Anglican writer, he, his name's Simon Ponsbury, and he says, uh, in a, the book's called God is for us. He says this, everything we do is an act of worship. 
Just let that sink in for a moment. Everything we do is an act of worship. Because when you think about that for a moment, we're either worshipping God or we're worshipping something else. Is that right? If everything that we, we've been created to worship God, that's what the Bible teaches us, it's what it tells us from the very start, that we were to walk in fellowship with Him, honouring Him. If then we were created to worship, then everything we do is about worship. Therefore, we either are worshipping God or we're worshipping something else. And usually, if we're not worshipping God, we're worshipping ourselves. Okay? Or we're worshipping something else that is trying to fill the void in our heart. We might find that in relationships. We might find that in uh, drugs and alcohol. We might find that in music or in something like that. So we find that void filled by something, or we think we find that void filled by something else, but there's only one person that can fill that void, and that's Christ. So everything we do is an act of worship. The issue is not how, but who. Worship is not simply singing songs. It may include that, but it is far more. Worship is, in fact, a life poured out in holiness and obedience, almsgiving and mission sharing the gospel with the lost, sharing our bread with the hungry, sharing our lives with one another. I believe God receives glory by the very birth of an infant, by bees making honey, by husbands and wives making love. When the painter paints, when the singer sings, when the architect designs, the teacher teaches and the athlete competes. Worship in song is just one part, a significant but small part, of glorifying God in worship. A life lived to God by obedience and faithfulness to His will and word is worship. A life lived resisting sin and temptation is worship. A life lived honoring God by honoring others, <clears throat> by honoring our bodies, all of this is worship. Does that make sense? Like everything we do as we express ourselves in life, it's, it's worshiping and Myself, I would like to know that everything I do would be an honorable worship to God who created me and not anything else. I don't want to fall into this thing that, that the Bible declares as idolatry. So our life, it is to live toward God, not conforming to the pattern of this world. Our bodies are to be offered to God. As a, the Bible says in that passage, as a living sacrifice. Now, what good would we be if we died? as a sacrifice to God. We'd be no good. That's why he tells us to be a living sacrifice. Therefore, my life laid down for him, honors him truly as a point of worship. How do we renew our minds, as the second verse says? What does that actually mean? How does that play it out? What, what does it mean to renew our minds? Well, if I put it really simply for us to understand... Because Adam and Eve sinned, then mankind was eternally cut off from God. Eternally cut off from God because of sin. Because God is perfect, He is holy, He is just, and therefore He cannot be around someone that sins, which is choosing the opposite for what God has for them. And therefore, if God, uh, if, if, if we were cut off from God, then something took place. And what it was, he said to Adam that you will surely die. Now, yes, our physical bodies die. I don't think that was God's intended purpose originally. 
as he created Adam and Eve. But what really happened, the significant thing that actually happened was that our spirits, our hearts as a human being in relationship with God died. It was cut off from the land of the living. There was no connection between man and God anymore. And that's a really sad day. And what happens in a, in a really simple way is when we're not ruled by the Spirit in communion with God, then what happens is our soul, our very emotions, the very things that drive us now when you think about it. Uh, today I'm sad, therefore I'm going to make everyone's life miserable. Today I'm excited, I'm happy, therefore I'm going to go out and, and high-five the, the air and I'm going to have a great time. Our emotions tend to take over. And what that means is that our will has become like the Lord of our life. The, it be, sort of sits on the throne of our life. Our will, who we are, what we want to do, becomes the controller of our life. What makes me feel good? You know? What makes me look good in the eyes of another? That sort of cuts us off. But when you think about the renewal of the mind, we first got to talk about this person, Jesus Christ. The, the Word declares that He was the Son of God. Completely God, yet human. Born into this world through the virgin birth. The Word declares that God walked amongst us and chose to lay down His life for us in what we can greatly term as the great exchange because the only way that sin would ever be repaid would be in death. That's why man had to die. Man had to die because it was the punishment of sin. But Jesus being the perfect man, why? Because he was fully God, yet fully man. It's weird, but that's what happens. Jesus walks the earth and never sins completely in harmony with God, never did anything that he wanted. His spirit in tune with God on high. And he walks this life and he lays down his life and he says, your will, God, not mine. And he walks to the cross and he gives up his life. He gave it up. And this exchange takes place where because of his perfection, death couldn't hold him. Because of who he was as God represented in man. Death had no victory over him. But in that moment when he said, it is finished, as he cried out on the cross, it is finished, something significant happened. At the very same time in the temple, the lamb that was for the Passover meal was slain and the priest stood before the men at the very same hour and said it is finished as the moment the Lamb of God was slain for you and he cried out it is finished and in that moment the fullness of the wrath of God was poured out upon his son which meant the fullness the complete punishment for sin because the Bible says your sin was placed upon his shoulders completely on Jesus because he died in your place. And the fullness of God's wrath against sin was poured out upon him at that place and he died in your place. But you see, the grave couldn't hold him because he himself was without sin. And that death 
being enough for all of sin, God's fullness of wrath poured out in that one place, never to be poured out again because it was poured out upon Jesus. He stood up on the third day and he lived. And the life that he lives, he lives unto us now because he has given us new life. That is faith. We call upon him. And then because of that, we are reborn in the Spirit. The spirit that was dead, cut off from God, is now revived by the life of Jesus. And that very life is the Spirit of God living in us. Now we have this battle of what my will wants to do compared to what the Spirit of God wants to do. And we've got this challenge to allow the Spirit of God to sit upon the throne of our life that we're led by the Spirit and not by our fleshly desires, not by our emotions, what makes us feel good. We have this battle on the internal. So when we renew the mind, the Word of God changes the way we think, changes our mind in such a way that we begin to honor God through this sacrifice that I was talking about. It's such a beautiful picture, but yet He did it for you. He did it for you. He did it for you and you. And he says, now the life you live, live as a sacrifice unto me. And for that, I'm grateful. Amen. We need the cross. We need to come to this place because without the cross, without Jesus taking our sin upon his life, by faith, without us accepting that, then we're still in our sin. We're still cut off from God. We're still lost. And we're still going to face a judgment for our sin. And if I hung on to my sin, if I hung on to the bad things that I did, then I deserve punishment. And God made a way open through His Son that I could be set free. It's this beautiful thing we hang on to. Then he, the Apostle Paul, as he continues to write, he talks about the next step. So he talks about this beautiful sense that our life is a sacrifice and that we need to be renewed in the thinking of what we have. And then he talks about this in verse 3, being gifted. He says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Now, guys, we do that, don't we? We get a bit full of pride and we think we're pretty awesome. We might have slam dunked that basketball or we might have you know, really had a really great time doing something that we thought we were so awesome at, maybe Jamie doing his skateboard and stuff, and an ollie or something. You think about it, you think, oh, I'm pretty cool, but we're not full of our pride. He says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned to you, which means to not allow ourselves to be puffed up so as a Christian, if I'm thinking about how I'm meant to live, then my life should not be compared to yours or yours or yours. That, that I've got to live with sober judgment and never compare myself, my walk, my journey with someone else in Christian faith. That, because that's no good for me. I'll either condemn myself because I don't measure up to how great they are, or I'll fill myself up with so much pride because I'm judging their situation and their weakness. So 
We've got to remember that. We can't do that. We can't compare ourselves. And then he continues, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. He writes, We belong together, uh, yet we have different functions. And if you are here this morning, you would have heard that, what Kay was saying. There's a verse in Galatians 3 that I want to read to us. Galatians 3, 27. Because it compares the same... Like, Paul's not writing this willy-nilly. He does this in Corinthians. He does it in Galatians. The same, the same things that he's writing. And he says this. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Dr- Greek... There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For all of you are one in Christ. So he, he does away with this, this comparison. He does away with this expression that, uh, that, we, that we don't belong. He just says we are all together. It doesn't matter whether you are a slave or free. It doesn't matter whether you're a male or a female, but you're one in Christ. And as Christians, we need to hang on to that and say, well, there's no comparison here. Let's not give the foothold, a foothold to the enemy by comparing one another. Let's not, let's not bring about this place where we can judge ourselves against each other. We need to judge ourselves by the Word of God and live a life that honors Jesus. He continues, Romans 12, verse 6. He says, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. And then he says, If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Each and every one of us have at least one of those gifts. These gifts are for serving God by serving one another. We can't do this by being a recluse or a hermit. You heard those words before, guys? Recluse or a hermit? We used to have that hermit that used to live up in, in the caves up there on um, Scenic Hill. Man, he lived alone. He had no home or he made himself a home, but he lived alone. He had no family, he had no friends. He, he, he lived in isolation. When we come to Christ, we can't live in isolation. Gifts are to be expressed in and through the members of the body. You can't do that isolating yourself from the body of Christ. You think you might be able to, but you'll never fulfill the intended purpose God has for you. If you isolate yourself. Hebrews 10, 23 says this, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. There's that serving one another again. To love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another at all times and all the more as you see the day drawing near. He's not saying because tomorrow is coming close. He's talking about the day that Jesus returns. He's drawing near. Everything is pointing to the fact that God is coming back in the person of Jesus Christ. 
everything is pointing that the time is running to an end. There's all these movies out there like end of the world, destruction, all that sort of stuff's happening. But yet the world has grabbed onto a very simple truth and they're making it their own. But the Bible tells us what the truth is. Jesus will return and he will be like a thief in the night. We don't know when he's coming, but he's going to take one and he's going to take another one. He's going to take... If you are hidden in Christ, if you, what I was talking about before, by, by being saved, set free, if you, are, if you are a Christian, in that context, you'll be going with him in an instant. You will see him coming and you'll be raptured with him. All the more as you see the day drawing near. So that means don't, don't run away from church. It actually means to fellowship more with the body of Christ. And then lastly, in concluding, as I wrap this up tonight, I just want to read the last part of this, this chapter. It's all well and good to talk about what it is to sacrifice yourself and live unto God. It's all well and good to talk about what it is to serve God with the gifts that you have. Because by serving God with the gifts you have, you, you, you love one another, you help one another, you encourage one another. But how do you do that? And the Bible's really practical and simple. Sometimes we grab it and we say, I can't understand it because we try and put too much in it. But this is what I'm talking about. Behave as one who is saved. It says in verse 9, and if you don't mind, I'm going to read the whole lot of the rest of this chapter. It says, let love be genuine. We can stop there and we can talk the rest of the night about that, couldn't we? Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. That means detest it, hate it. What is evil? What, what is something that God detests? You should detest that as well. Because it wants to rob you of relationship with God. It says, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly, brotherly affection. I love this one. Outdo one another in showing honor. Pastor Rod shared in communion this morning about honoring Christ. His exact same passage that I used last Sunday morning about honoring each other in the pew. That person you're sitting next to, if you honor them, if you honor them, you will receive something from them. But I love that Paul would write, outdo one another in honor. Could you imagine if I tried to honor Jamie and then he's like, nah, man, I'm going to outdo you with honor. And he's like trying to honor me. And then I'm like, nah, that, that just gets me right going. I'm going to honor you even more, bro. And then he's like, nah, I'm going to honor you even more. He would. That's why I picked him. <laughs> like, that's, that's holy competition there right there. If you're driven by competition, then be competitive about honoring one another. Don't be competitive about... Um, the things that are not going to lead to bettering each other. If you honor one another, better each other in that. It says, do not be slothful in zeal. It's an interesting word, isn't it? Who knows what a sloth is? Pretty slow, pretty lazy sort of creature. Or Sid the sloth, yep. <laughs> do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in the spirit serve the Lord. What's he saying? Be fervent in your spirit. Therefore, the life that you are, live it under God with the fullness of the Spirit of God that's in your life. With, with zeal unto God, serve Him. 
It says, rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. What's tribulation? It's like those trials that come in your life, you know, like where your parents are always chipping you about something. Sometimes that's a bit of tribulation. You know, they're always picking on me. Well, guys, it says be patient in that. Yeah? Maybe there's some truth in the parents there, eh? Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. When's the last time you had a good cry with someone? Hey? Maybe you need to challenge yourself this week. Go and have a good cry with someone. Someone that's doing it tough at school or someone that's doing it tough in your workplace. Maybe you just need to go and say, I'm here for you. Open up and uh, be vulnerable to the point that you can weep with them. You never know what power that has to help them in their time of need. Live in harmony with one another. Well, there's a word in it. Harmony. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Don't be high. Don't be up there thinking that you're so good that you can't kick around with those who are a little bit low in your school or in your workplace. Those that you know, just don't have a lot of friends. Challenge yourself. Don't be haughty. Associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil. But give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Hmm. How many Christians have been out there and saying we want to go to war? But yet, quite simply, the gospel tells us we should live at peace with everyone. And that means everyone, whether they've got the wrong belief or not whether they're deluded or not. Because if you're in peace with them, you're able to speak into their situation. Because you're not speaking from a high place that brings judgment upon them. You're speaking from a place that says, hey, just as much as I was a sinner or am a sinner in need of Jesus as a Savior, so you. You walk with me in this. We can't judge people because it just shuts doors down. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. That's a bit hard, isn't it? Who's been called names at school? Who's been called stuff in the workplace? Yeah? I see your hand down there, boy. Never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. That's a pretty big word, isn't it? I'd hate to feel the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, here's the catch-22. If you give your enemy uh, something to eat, if you give your enemy a cold drink when he's thirsty, for by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. That's a good picture, isn't it? What would that feel like as you heap on your enemy? do something nice for them and all of a sudden judgment comes upon them not from yourself but from God and they realize as 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 a heap of coals come on their head I suppose in a in a in a spiritual kind of way these burning coals that convicts them do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil 
with good. We live in a world that just seems so obsessed with everything that is evil. Um, we understand why. If, if we've been walking with God long enough, we understand why. But for some of us here, I know, you've often asked the question, if you're there, God, why is the world so evil? Why is this so much bad in the world? It's because Christians like you and I don't stand up and combat evil with good. If we would just take that one word and apply it to our life, that to overcome evil, I have a mandate, a role, a gift from God that I can overcome evil with good. And the world would be so much better, I believe. Many things happen in this world, things we do not understand, things that seem to come against us. Yet, when we focus on these things, loving God, doing good, loving others, and remembering that we belong with a body Christ has put us in. You know, we've got to often think about it in keeping it simple. The old acronym, keep it simple, stupid. You've got to remind yourself sometimes to kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. Live to God. Serve God with your gifts. Behave like a Christian. And it would open so many doors for you. I'm not saying this to judge us. I'm not saying this at all to say that you're all behaving badly. And it's not what it's about. But if we can just take one thing from this, if we would behave the way God wants us to behave in every circumstance, take peace into a situation that doesn't have peace, be good to someone that hates us, you know, give a cold drink of water to someone that's thirsty, be generous in our giving, loving on those who are unlovely if we were to do something like this our world would be turned upside down and the opportunities that you would have to do what Jamie was talking about in our last time meeting together to share the gospel they would increase purposefully setting out how can I live as Christ today things will fall into place I'd wonder if you'd stand to your feet tonight in closing, I'd like to pray with us. In closing, I'd like to just say, why don't we make a commitment to God that what is in our hands, what is upon our mouth, how we would express love, that they would be in accordance to His will that they would be in the light of the Word of God in our life, that we would live as Christ lived, that we would not judge one another, we would not judge those who don't know God, but that we would lovingly share the gospel with them. If you want, I can use one of the terms from the video, choose to love on them. Right? If that makes it more sense for you, or it might just creep you right out. But if you choose to be Christ in the circumstance, life will change for you. Your sadness will turn to joy as you see what God does in your life. Maybe just if you close your eyes, I'd like to ask this question. Before I pray, 
for the first time you may have heard that Jesus died for you. For the first time you may have heard that without believing in Jesus, you can't be made a friend of God. That the very sin in your life has separated you from God and actually, the Bible says, makes you an enemy of God. I don't want to be God's enemy. Maybe for the first time you've realized that there is a way out. That there is a way out of what we see in this world into a life that is well lived. Into a life that is secure in the love of God. Maybe you're here tonight because God wants to set you free. But God wants to take upon himself your sin, your guilt, the things that you've done wrong, that, that thing that just keeps irking you and making you feel terrible and horrible because you did that. Maybe you're just here tonight and you just say, I want to give that to Jesus because it sounded so good that Jesus took my punishment and that I get his life. Maybe if you'd like to do that, if you'd like to raise your hand and you say, I want to just choose Jesus tonight. I want to be restored to God. I want to be restored to God. I want, I want to be a friend of God, no longer his enemy. If you'd like to do that, just raise your hand and just acknowledge before God, I want to do that tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for that hand. Thank you, Lord, that you have set us free. I'm going to pray for us. Just set our hearts toward God right now. Now I just sense, is there someone else that wants to raise their hand to God tonight and just acknowledge to God, God, I want to, I want to be free. I want to be your son and daughter. I want to come to you. I want to make a commitment to you. I want to live for Jesus. Father, we come to you tonight and we just thank you that your word is true and that it speaks to our heart and it challenges us, Lord God, to live beyond ourselves in faith, stepping out in what you have gifted us to do, stepping out into what you have birthed in us by giving us your spirit. I thank you, Father, that you have accepted us in Christ Jesus that our sin was dealt with at that cross nearly 2,000 years ago that our sin was dealt with once and for all that we are set apart now that we are born again into your kingdom Father I pray that this word would challenge us to live as Christ to our world not because we feel judged not because we feel pressured but because Lord we want to partner with you to see our world transformed and all the more as we look towards your son returning Jesus we commit our lives to you transform our hearts let our lives live unto you from this day forward in Jesus name we pray Amen man thank you guys that was really cool and i just as as we finish i just want to just pray the blessings of the lord upon you that his face would shine upon you 
because God is so impressed with you. He so loves you. And he so wants to know you on that intimate level. You know, he wants you to come to him, draw to him on a daily basis and just say, God, I love you. I'm here for you. Thank you that I can approach you. That I don't have to feel guilty. That I don't have to feel condemned. And as I receive your love, Lord God, I want to just give that love out. So I just bless you with that. And I just pray the blessings of the Holy Spirit with you this week. You would take that with you into your workplace or into your schools and that you just live for God this week. Amen? Amen.